This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, I'm Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, what we do is speak to a writer or fan who knows Liverpool's next opponents inside out, who on Tuesday night happened to be Porto in the Champions League quarterfinal first leg at Anfield. Now, with the greatest respect in the world to the Portuguese champions, they were the team most Liverpool fans wanted in the last eight. That all stems from the Reds' 5-0 aggregate win over Porto in the last 16 of last season's competition. But as Pep Linders has on the eve of the match, it does mean his former club will be out for revenge. And given Porto knocked Roma out of the last round and were the most impressive team in the group stages, do Liverpool have reason to be worthy? To find out, I spoke to Portuguese football expert Alex Goncalves, who is the creator of the Trugascout.com website. He gives us the inside track on Porto, the strengths, the weaknesses, and why, like Liverpool with Andy Robertson, they could also be without their influential left-back, as well as two other big players. And I also got Alex's opinion on the Portuguese wonder kid who has been linked with the Reds, along with most of the leading clubs in Europe. Enjoy, and we'll be back after the match with the post-game podcast. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hi, Alex. Thank you very much for joining me on this podcast to talk all things Porto before the Champions League quarter-final first leg at Anfield against Liverpool. Are you okay, mate? Yeah, I'm very well. Thanks for having me on. No, an absolute pleasure, mate. Uh, really big game, this one. Really one we're all looking forward to. And uh, I think it's fair to say that Porto were the team most fans, uh, most Liverpool fans wanted in the draw, primarily because of what happened in last season's meeting between the sides. But before we uh, started this conversation, I was reading a story this morning quoting Pep Linders, the Liverpool assistant manager who used to work for Porto, who said uh, Porto were the only team left in the Champions League who wanted to face Liverpool because they wanted to revenge. So do you think Pep Linders is right or is this kind of a game Porto may not have wanted? Well, I mean, it's, it's a good question, actually. I would say that the vast majority would disagree. I think there's there's an element of disappointment. You know, I think Liverpool were definitely one of the, the four teams that Porto really wanted to avoid alongside Manchester City, Barcelona and Juventus. And I think it, it very much felt like this was the end of the journey for them from the perspective of, of the fans. But at the same time, yeah, many look at it as a terrific opportunity to test yourself against the very best. And you never know, a chance for revenge for that 5-0 flashing last time around. How much of a shock was that 5-0 defeat at home? Because I certainly can't remember too many occasions of Porto getting beat like that in Europe, and I'd say especially in front of their home fans. Yeah, that was that was a very disappointing day. I have to say. A, a real shock. I think that a lot of uh, Porto fans felt fell into the trap of underestimating Liverpool somewhat, and also thinking that that they were a bit better than they actually were. I know I was guilty of that certainly. Um, but one thing I do want to point out is is you know the fact that the first leg Porto did lose five nine at the, uh, the Dragon, but. They were missing several very important players. You know, they had centre back Philippe out through suspension. They had Danilo Pereira out injured. They were playing Jose Sangol instead of Ike Casillas. And they're also without star striker Vincent Abubakar as well. So, you know, they went into that match without their best goalkeeper, best centre back, best central midfielder, and best striker as well. So, obviously, you can't justify losing 5 0 at home. No, and, and Liverpool fully deserved their victory, probably would have won even if those four were in there. But it does go a long way to, to explain why they were basically humiliated. 
seated at home. It's quite interesting because one of my next questions was, has the personnel of the team changed much since then? But even if it hasn't, it sounds like they will be stronger for these two legs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of the squad, they, they, they've certainly improved. Uh, though, again, they are going to be out without a couple of key players this time as well. You know, veteran centre-back Pep will miss the game through suspension. It could be a big miss. Uh, even more significantly, perhaps, Mexican international Hector Herrera will also be out of the match again because he's picked up too many yellow cards. Uh, even more concerning that, Alex Teas is still a small doubt due to the injury he suffered when actually taking a penalty against Balaga uh, earlier on, a, a couple of weeks ago. And it could be another match where Porto are, are short of full strengths. There is optimism. Teas has travelled with the team. He's expected to be ready in time, <laughs> which uh, which could be absolutely crucial. Uh, so there's there's plenty of room for optimism. You know, the team has to be considered better than the last time they met Liverpool. They have the likes of Musa Merega and Tikini Suarez available up front. Two physical, dangerous strikers for any defence. Merega particularly outstanding this season in the Champions League. Jesus Corona and Yassim Brahimi on, on the wings. Danilo Pereira. Uh, you know, to shield the defence. Real Madrid bound Eden Militao at the back. So, undoubted quality in a team that can potentially cause problems for Liverpool. I'll come to a couple of those players in a moment, if that's okay. But just let me ask you about the the manager, someone who I knew growing growing up as a footballer, uh, Sergio Conceição. Has, has he changed much? Do you think he's still relatively young as a coach? Do you think he will have learned his lesson of what what happened? At the, certainly that first leg last season. Well, uh, yeah, I, I'd say so. I mean, he's. You could say that the team are overachieving somewhat with Sergio Conceição on the side you know this season being very very good again just like last season only behind tabletop has Benfica on head to head record they've got you know to the final of both domestic cup competitions losing the league cup final against Sporting sets so take them off in the uh, take them on in a rematch in the Portuguese cup final at the end of the season so it's been a, a fantastic season for them. But of course, for all their hard work, they could still easily end up trophyless come the end of the season. It's very possible. Uh, so we'll see if their hard work actually translates to some tangible success. So I think that's that's where, you know, you could have some doubts potentially in Sergio Conceição. Can he deliver uh, actual silverware? He obviously won the Primera Liga last season, but can he build on that? Or will this end up being a so near yet so far season? He's a, he's a very young coach. You know, there's incredible optimism from Porto fans. They seem to like him a lot. Uh, but we shall see if he's he's able to acclimatise to to these particularly high profile matches, you know, against such superior teams. Very interesting. You know, you mentioned the fact that they're second only on the head to head with Benfica in the domestic league. Uh, they they were top briefly, weren't they, at the weekend? They beat Boavista two 0 on Friday night. Was it a good performance, or did it give Conceição a chance to rest some players ahead of this uh, first leg at Anfield? I mean, it's always the case with, with these sorts of matches. You know, the way that the, the league is, uh, Porto go into every match, really, or 80 to 90% of the matches they play every year. They're expected to win. They're playing against vastly inferior opposition who often try and frustrate them. And it was the same kind of thing, you know. It's just the way it is in Portuguese football. Three or four standout teams, the vast majority quite significantly weaker. So, yeah, they, they you know, they play possession-based football, stylish, attacking usually just get the job done you know it's it's not particularly enthralling most of the time because of course the, the teams are looking to get a point maybe hit on the counter but yeah they, they got the job done as, as they so often do yeah, it's quite an interesting one, isn't it? At the top of that table at the moment, uh, both level on points, very uh, akin to what's happening here in in England in the Premier League with Liverpool. Yeah, course, yeah. it's, it's a real title race, isn't it? 
uh, it, it's a fascinating one. It looks set, yeah, to go to the wire, you know, which is, again, so often the case in Portuguese football, you know, the way the league's structured with three or four much stronger teams. You get these really intense titles that go right to the wire. Um, and, and it's the same this season. So, yeah, you know, we've got Benfica and Porto, both on 60, uh, 69 points, sitting on top of the table. Benfica only ahead on head-to-head record. You know, it's, it's that close. It's really on a knife edge. And with just six games remaining, any slip-up now at all, uh, could be absolutely crucial in deciding who wins it. Just to go off track a minute, and I've got to ask you about a, a young player, an 18-year-old called Joao Felix, who is starting for Benfica and who's been linked with Liverpool and most of Europe's top clubs, to be fair. Of what, course. What kind of player is he? You know, there'll be Liverpool fans who read our blog every day and see his name crop up from time to time. Is he is he as good as everyone makes out? I mean, this this guy is probably the most exciting player Benfica have, have perhaps ever had come through their their ranks, and you know that's that's saying a lot because Benfica are, are well accustomed with having star quality come through. But you know, this guy's 19 years old. He's scoring for fun. Uh, he, you know, the only thing you could say is he needs to build up that physicality. You know, that strength. And and he he says it himself. You know, he's he's humble enough to admit that he's uh, he's got a long way to go still to. You know, to improve as an all-round player, but ten goals this season in, in the league alone. Nineteen years of age, such awareness on the pitch, such great positional sense, such a keen eye for goal, both feet skillful, just the, the perfect second striker to, to accompany. Uh, you know, a, a more focal point up front. It's been an extraordinary rise, and I don't think any Benfica fans are surprised about it. The president of Benfica, Luis Felipe Vieira, still insisting that he, he wants to sell him for no less than his release clause, which is currently 120 million euros, uh, which would be unbelievable. I mean, I'm not sure if that's actually going to follow through with that. He's also hoping to increase it to 200 million euros. So, you know, he's clearly desperate to keep hold of this guy. And, you know, fair play for the for the ambition he's showing. I think he wants to build a team around these academy players and Joao Felix is definitely the best of, of them all. You mentioned there that there are other good young players coming through. Do you think it'd be better for someone like Felix to stay in Portugal for a little longer before coming to, say, the Premier League? Or I don't know, you know, La Liga? Oh, it's a great question because, of course, you know, we saw Renato Sanchez move really quickly to Bayern Munich after just one season, you know, at Benfica. Such a terrific season. Went to the Euros, was a star at the Euros. Um, and then he's kind of fallen off, really. You know, his career's could go either way at this point it's a crucial time so of course you know both from a selfish point of view but also just just generally for young players I think he's got to stick around for at least one more season maybe two just to to you know, again, build that physicality and stuff and improve on areas that he still needs to improve on before then taking the leap because, as we've seen so many times before, if you move too early, that could really, you know, damage your career. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Back to Porto and uh, Musa Morego, you mentioned earlier, if that's all right. He's got six goals in this season's Champions League. I think it's a tally that's only bettered by Lionel Messi and uh, Robert Lewandowski. Absolutely, yeah. High, high company indeed, isn't he? Is he a big danger to Liverpool on, on Tuesday and then in the return like uh, just over oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's impossible to overlook Musa Marega. I mean, he is, he's, he's been phenomenal for Porto this campaign, particularly, as you say, in the Champions League. You know, his unmistakable power and strength 
combined with with his uh, his work ethic, decent pace as well, uh, good awareness, great eye for goal, outstanding out and out striker, and he's able to play up top alone or in a partnership, which which can be lethal when he's playing alongside one of Vincent Tabubakar or Tikini Swash as well. Yeah, he often looks rather ungainly. I think it's fair to say and uncomfortable on the ball. I don't think anyone can really deny that, but. He's just incredibly efficient, and when he's up for it, you know, when he's he's really working hard for the team, as we saw against Roma actually in that second leg. I mean, he was phenomenal. I don't think anyone could could really disagree. And he's, he's a handful for any defence. He, as you say, third top scorer in the Champions League, only behind Messi and and Lewandowski. Seventeen goals across all competitions. He's loving playing under Sergio Conte. So I think that's the main thing, and he'll be instrumental should Porto be able to cause any trouble at all. Uh, to Liverpool and, and personally I think he should be one of the most in demand strikers in, in European football right now particularly because he could prove cheaper than a lot of players of his calibre that are more high profile and what a way to boost his profile even more if he could get the oh, advantage yes. over someone like Virgil van Dijk. because <laughs> let's face it at the moment he is he's, if he's not the best centre back in the world he's certainly one of the best oh most definitely yes yeah and I think that uh, you know Porto know how difficult a challenge this is going to be for them as I said this is this season, really, they've not faced any side that is notably superior to them. Even in the Champions League, no side has been one that they'll have been afraid of. They've either gone in as clear favourites or a flip of the coin away from, from being able to win the match. And so this is the first time that they've been properly tested. I know that Pep said in an interview that uh, they have to play their own game, be positive, look to score goals. Although when you're up against a side like Liverpool, you know, and you're so unused to playing sides like Liverpool, you have to adapt, not park the bus, but it would be so reckless to play free-flowing attacking football. And I think they, Porto will be very patient and, and more counter-attacking oriented in this match. One area I'm sure Porto may look to exploit is, the, is Liverpool's left-hand side. Andy Robertson, like Van Dijk, one of the best in his position mm. around, but he's suspended. It, we seem to understand that James Milner will be playing a really experienced player. But what's Porto's right-hand side like? You know, Is that an area they've got some strength? Do you think they may have any joy down there with Robertson being suspended? Certainly, uh, in terms of the wingers, you know, you've got some fantastic wingers. The problem for them, though, is that they're uh, with Pep suspended, they're going to have to move uh, Edem Militao to centre-back, which means they'll be playing uh, the veteran Maxi Pereira uh, right back instead. So that, that could be, you know, it kind of could limit their ability to expose the right that, that side. Um, but uh, but certainly in terms of the wingers, you know, they've got Brahimi on the left. Corona's been phenomenal, phenomenal on that right side. So he could certainly uh, try and punish Liverpool. Um, you know, in, in the Champions League specifically, again, they seem to step up when it gets to the Champions League. And, and he could be the one player that really does, you know, uh, capitalise on, on any weaknesses Liverpool do have. You mentioned Militar then. He's, uh, he's joining Real Madrid in the summer, isn't it? That's a done deal. He's Zidane's first signing since going back there. Uh, obviously very highly rated, but he's, he's being used more as a, as a right-back then, but on, on Tuesday night he'll be playing centre-back. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of Porto fans are slightly disappointed. You know, he was he was truly phenomenal as a centre-back uh, at the beginning of the season before Pep came in. And basically to accommodate Pep, they moved Militao to right-back. Not to say he's done a bad job there, but clearly it's, it's not his natural position. And, you know, he's such a physical, fast great positioning well great awareness as, as a centre back and I don't know it just seems a bit of a waste uh, to, to be playing him as a right back so I think it's actually it's, it's almost a bonus for uh, Porter to have him playing centre back of course it would be great to have Pep as well but 
Yeah, centre back is clearly his main position, and, and it's a shame, really, that uh, they've only got him for like a few more months before he joins Real Madrid. That he's he's not really going to be used in the position that he's he's destined to play in. One player who came or used to play for Real Madrid is Iker Casillas, and he's playing the Champions League matches this season because he didn't last year. I think he only played in one of all the exactly the last sixteen. Is, has that made a difference having him in between the posts? Uh, a huge difference because again, if we if we go back to that five 0 defeat last season, the, the goalkeeper he didn't have the best game. Should they saw between the sticks? You know that first goal that he conceded, it's kind of squirmed under him. The second goal, you could say he could have done better and stood his ground. So having Iker Casillas, not just the fact that he's, he's a great goalkeeper, but just the presence, the the knowledge that you have this this star goalkeeper, one of the best in 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 history perhaps uh, between the sticks, is such a huge boost automatically for for Porto. And of course, the leadership as well. You know, he's got this pedigree. Where, where, while Pep's out, you know, he's not going to be in the side. You at least got Ike to see us there, and it's such, such a huge boost for them. Jurgen Klopp has uh, just done his press conference before we spoke, and he, he spoke like yourself about a lot of the strengths that uh, Porto have in the side. If we just play devil's advocate, where do you think they're a bit weak? Were they particularly uh, in danger of being, you know, exposed by Liverpool on Tuesday? Mm, well. I am. I'm more optimistic about Porto's defence for the first leg since the news came out that Tess is likely to play. Yeah. But if he were to miss out, you know that that would be a huge problem for them, especially considering how potent Liverpool's attack is. Yeah. Typically, they have a backline of Tess, Pep, Felipe, Militao, as we said, exceptionally solid defence. But if you take out both Pep and Tess, then you've got a real problem there. You'd have to move Militao to centre back, Max Pereira right back, and then a huge dilemma at left back if Tess isn't fit because their star backup option, Wilson Manafa, isn't in the Champions League squad at all. So it, I, I don't even know who they play there, quite frankly. They might even have to move uh, Corona to that position. I'm not sure. So Tess should be able to start. But if Conte Sound doesn't team him ready, the, the defence could easily be exploited on the flanks, certainly. Yeah, the fans will be looking out for that one before kickoff. And you know, as you mentioned, uh, this is probably Porto's biggest test yet. But let's give them credit. I think they were the best performing team in the in the group stages, and then they knocked out Roma out of the last sixteen. Roma, obviously, the team Liverpool beat in the Champions League semi-finals last year. You know, is if if there's not a confidence they can cause a shock against Liverpool, is there a confidence they can put on more of a show this time around? Well, I mean, just just to go back to the Champions League group again, we. Porto had a very favourable run to get to the point they are at now. We can't really deny that. For what I'd say, it's the third season in a row. They had luck on the side at the group stage. You know, they were drawn alongside Lokomotiv, Moscow, Schalke and Galatasaray. Yeah. You know, <laughs> which with all due respect, it yeah. Had, yeah, I mean, it had a look of a Europa League group rather than a Champions League one. But, you know, you can only beat who's in front of you. They breezed through the group, five wins and a draw. So, you know, you, you can't really, you can't criticise them at all. You know, they did what they have to do. Uh, is there optimism? I mean, I think that most people are, are, are not expecting anything this time around. I think they've realised their mistake from last time when they faced Porto. But that could easily work in their favour. You know, the pressure's off. The global media is not expecting anything from them. They're going to go out there. They're going to want to prove themselves. I mean, it's not every day that you know Porto get to play the likes of Liverpool. You know, they want to take this opportunity and they'll be looking for revenge for that 5-0 thrashing absolutely. So, I mean, I can't see them causing an upset particularly. I think the best they can hope for in the, in the first leg is, is absolute best a frustrating draw. A narrow loss would be a very good result. I mean, let's be honest, after last time, all we really want is to still be in it yeah. by the second leg. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, you know, the thing is, you, you 
is it realised over there just how strong Liverpool are? You know, with you know among Porto fans, I know they, 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 they illustrated it last year in the two legs between the teams. Certainly the first leg, I should say, but they, they seem to have gone stronger since then. Is yes. the opinion in Portugal this is a proper European force to take it on again? Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it, it's undeniable, isn't it? Really, I think again there was they were underestimated Liverpool last season. I think it's because they were they were absent from the Champions League for a long time. You know, there was a three or four year period I think that Liverpool weren't in the Champions League and, and they just came back so suddenly and, and and were performing to such a high level straight away definitely not going to be underestimating this time around I mean that, that attacking trio is terrifying really you could argue you know the best trio that any side in Europe has it, it's it's phenomenal so yeah there's there's alarm at the draw I think and, and a little bit of concern that again it could be embarrassing if uh, if Liverpool are on their game and Porto you know, if they can see it early on, then it could it could get pretty ugly, I'd say. We will see. Alex, just one final question before I let you go, mate. What's your prediction then for the first leg at Anfield going into that second leg back at Porto? Uh, you know, I'd love to. I'd love to be able to say that I think that uh, Porto will get a positive result at Anfield. And, and I'm perhaps naively optimistic, but I, I do think the best they can hope for is a frustrating a frustrating match and a hard-earned draw but I'm going to say Liverpool to win it hopefully 2-1 I'll say 2-1 to Liverpool keep Porto in contention for the second leg it will be all to play for Alex thank you very much for that insight into Porto and Portuguese football really enjoyed speaking to you mate I'm sure no worries thanks very much that as well, mate. thanks very much thank you you've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo